Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag NFL. I think it's exciting. You, th- you you believe that you're getting the best player in the draft. Again, I've said many times, I don't like the process of how we got here, but now that we're here, it's it's a good position to be in because nothing can alter who you want to go get. If you want to go get them, you go get them. It's somebody that you believe is going to be with your franchise for a long time. And so we, we put a lot of work into it. And I wouldn't say any pressure. We've done the work. You, you pick the player that you believe in and let the rest go from there. Cincinnati Bengals coach Zach Taylor. No pressure having the top overall pick. PK, whenever I hear someone say there's no pressure, I think, well, come on, there's a little pressure. I think it's offset in this case by the fact that he's a slam dunk number one. I think whoever had the top pick would want Burroughs. Or if you got an established quarterback, when you have an established quarterback, you're probably not picking first. But if there were a weird situation where that happened, you'd probably be leveraging that pick for a trade so someone else got him and you'd be getting multiple picks. If If he fails... It's going to be, well, everybody would have done it. Kind of like a Lajuan. Oh, everybody would have picked him over, Michael. Well, yeah, I don't know about that, man. I think that there is intense pressure on everything that they do every way, and I don't know everybody would have picked a Lajuan over Jordan. I mean, I've talked to, you listen to uh, Bob, Bob Knight, Knight talk and uh, the trail. Yeah, the Trailblazers said that uh, they need a center, and he said, we'll play Jordan at center. Uh, so uh, I, I disagree with this coach here. You got the number one pick. You better cash in. Just because everybody fails, that doesn't mean that you have the, uh, not right, but you can get off the hook by failing because you're going to lose. Jobs are going to be lost and whatnot if this kid is a bust. So I, I think at pro sports, man, there is pressure in everything you do. Patriots have agreed to trade Rob Gronkowski to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers along with a seventh-round pick in exchange for a fourth-round pick in this week's draft. Gronk, of course, reuniting with Tom Brady in Tampa and Gronk telling Fox Sports in a text message, I'm back. I always said when I have that feeling it feels right, I'll be ready to take the field again, and I have that feeling I'm ready. Gronk has a one-year, $10 million, uh, has one year and $10 million left on his contract. So... He also talked about all the concussions, and it seems like he's put himself at risk for that. So feels like a little bit of spin here when he's coming up with the whole, uh, I always said that when I had that feeling it feels right, I'll be back. Because with the concussions, he was pretty definitive. He just didn't want to risk those. Well, then don't get out of bed because you might get hit by a car. Yeah, I mean, no matter what you're going to do, there's going to be a risk. So... Uh, if he's healthy, he's ready to go. I mean, everyone, every single player has a risk of concussions at any given time. So, and I, if he's had one, I don't know that the, the players, it seems like they, they don't even know if they have them. So I, I, I'm looking at the Tampa Bay thinking, all right, man, if he can regain his ability, then they've got, a, they already had a potent offense. I think they were third in scoring in the league last year. Uh, they had two receivers over a thousand yards, and obviously uh, Goodwin, uh, Godwin, and uh, Mike Evans. O.J. Howard is an emerging young tight end, and now you add Gronkowski. If he can get anywhere close to where he was, and Brady's still good, and you got uh, 
Arians there, the coach who's known as an offensive coach. All of a sudden, man, Tampa Bay got all sorts of exciting. I can believe the part about him feeling better as far as, you know, if you've got issues with a shoulder, a knee, a back, some combination of that, that would all feel better. And you're right. And they, they had... They already had a pretty good offense. They just need to eliminate some of those 30 interceptions. They're already throwing 30 touchdown passes, and it feels like they ought to be able to do that again with all the uh, with all the receivers they're going to have out there. It just feels like a it's going to be a nightmare for teams to defend. And when they play the Saints, that ought to be uh, you know first team to 40 wins. You'd think those two teams would go up and down the field and they'll square off twice if we have the normal season we all expect. All right, Niners GM John Lynch says the franchise briefly considered chasing Tom Brady in free agency, decided to stick with Jimmy Garoppolo. The quote, when you're talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time at Tom Brady, of course you're going to have some internal discussion, and then you hear rumors that, hey, he'd like to come home, that kind of thing. So, of course, Kyle, Shanahan, the coach, Kyle and I have discussions. We're always into getting better, so you look at everything, especially a situation like that, but within a day or two, Kyle and I looked at each other and said, you know what, we really like what we have in Jimmy. Well, we saw the postseason run the Niners had. They had the lead going to the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl, and Garoppolo's much younger. So do you risk a decade with him when you could have uh, a year or two maybe with Tom Brady, but he's in his 40s? Pretty easy to see why they would stick with a guy they've already got who's much younger. Uh, Yeah, I would imagine there was just about every team in the league considered do we want to go after Tom Brady. Ravens star Lamar Jackson will be on the cover of Madden NFL 21. He says, it's always been a dream of mine since I was a little kid, since I first started playing Madden. It's dope. I have every Madden. To me, to be on it, in front of it, it's a dream come true. He also scoffed at the notion of the Madden curse, saying Patrick Mahomes is on the front and he won a Super Bowl MVP. I want that curse. I hope that's a curse. Even in a quote as you read it, Having you say it's dope, I just felt a little uneasy. <laughs> and there was one reason I left it's dope in that when I typed that up. <laughs> I was going to cut it out, but I was like, he's just going to read it's dope. We're yeah, doing there this. it is. <laughs> it is dope. <laughs> I'm just a little uncomfortable with it you is, saying that. It you know, is just, dope, it my main man. doesn't have the same ring. <laughs> It doesn't have the same ring as when the kids say it. Yeah, I think that uh, Madden was deciding, as we know, it was either going to be Taysom Hill or Lamar Jackson. It was a tough call. Came right down to the end. DJ and PK. (laughs) Hashtag college football. Without fans, that uh, I guess anything's possible. I sure hope not. I, you know, we got a great home field advantage here at Rice Eccles, and uh, that would really impact us probably uh, more than most teams in the conference. But uh, you know, if it comes down to a season without fans or no season, then I, th- I think we're gonna. You know, that's the direction it, it could go, and so we've got to be prepared for that. Uh, and when I say prepared, there's nothing really we do differently. It's just that it'd be a completely different environment and, and very odd to be in that situation but but I uh, hope it doesn't come to that we've got great fans here at Utah we have close to 10 years uh, uh, straight sellouts you know for 10 years straight and uh, it's just been a, a terrific home field advantage so we're hoping it doesn't come to that but like I said if it's that or no season then I think uh, you're going to see uh, exactly that you know fan, no fans if, if that's the way that they think is the only op- alternative in the way they can get the season done Kyle Whittingham meeting with the media, the Zoom uh, press conference, and 
No fans would be weird, no doubt about it. I think when you say you get ready for it, mentally the players just have to, you know, get used to the idea. I got to be all fired up and hopped up, and I just can't have the roar of the crowd picking up all this emotion, and you got to be ready anyway. I don't know what else you can do other than that. Uh, He had a lot to say. Uh, Yach sent us a bunch of cuts last night. You were actually on the call live, weren't you, PK? I was. Oh, oh, you were on the call. I was listening to it after the fact. Yeah. So uh, we've got we got the next segment to get more into it. But you got one favorite thing you want to hit now, and then we can get to all the rest of it because he hit on a lot of things from players getting drafted to multiple things about the season. It was about thirty minutes or so. I listened to the whole thing. Uh, Obviously, the fans there it would be weird. It would be unusual. Be unprecedented. Uh, literally something that is literally unprecedented you know that word maybe gets thrown around a little bit but in this case it would be but everyone would be in the same boat uh, so you know you're not going to have fans at one stadium and not have them at the other i wouldn't think anyway so they'll have to adjust to that if it comes to that you know i don't know where we are in the timeline on that situation but everyone would have to do the same i mean you can argue that going out on the road and playing in the hostile environment that I always have to say anytime you use the word hostile it either has to uh, go precede the crowd or environment those are the two times it's like are you following a cue every time so maybe some people get fired up for that uh, a great home field advantage I think they have a great home field. I think when they have great teams, they have a great home field advantage. But when they don't have great teams, I don't think it really matters where you play. Washington was thought to have a great home field advantage. And the Utes went up there last year. I was there, and they beat them. So that doesn't really matter. I don't think they have a great home field advantage. I think you have a great team, which leads to the great home field advantage. And I love these sellouts, man. I've got to, I've got to figure out what exactly a definition of sellout is. Is it every seat is oh, occupied, I know that. or or the, what? The definition of a sellout is, is whenever they tell you it's a sellout. <laughs> they say oh, okay. it's a sellout, and then you look up, and there's clearly gray uh, steel bleachers in the top right corner that aren't full, rows of them. It's usually a pie-shaped section. We know what it looks like. Yeah. But if they want to continue to say that and that's something that they can use in recruiting, great. Uh, good good on them. But I just don't know that it matters one versus the other because everything would be even in that situation. It would be weird. Uh, and I'll take it versus no games. And we'll get to that coming up. But we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, I think that uh, where the advantage would be is there's some places weren't drawn. Last year, Stanford and UCLA, just tiny crowds. So playing in front of nobody instead of playing in, in front of 12,000 people, I don't know that that's that different. I don't think that's a big deal. Now, obviously, if you're Utah and Oregon and, you know, the, the place is going nuts and it's really loud, you think you get some advantage off that. I'm with you as far as it's good when they have a good team. Everybody talked about how awesome Rice-Eccles Stadium was the first, you know, three, four, five years they were in the conference because it was the first time people were coming up here and it was loud and it's picturesque and, you know, it's this beautiful setting and it's really loud. But their record wasn't that good, especially in conference games. I mean, they win all their non-conference games. But in conference games, they're basically 500. As they've gotten better these last five years, they've had some pretty good stretches. But even then, when they started a sophomore quarterback, they are basically 500 at home. Now, these last two years with Huntley right. getting in the groove and getting up to speed, they've been lights out at home. They've been very, very good. Uh, but it's still, it really does follow how good your team is. You know, they're 3-3 three and three one year, and then they're 
six and one another year, so seven and zero oh another year. So it does come down to how good your team is. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, we got some more college football news here. Uh, mostly, we've heard that it's going to be a big hit on the budget, but they're already bracing for that at a lot of schools. Boise State's coaching staff will be furloughed for ten days as part of the university's plan to cut costs, facing ten million dollars in losses due to the partial shutdown. Uh, all employees of the university who are making over forty grand are subject to the furloughs. Brian Harson will forfeit sixty-three thousand of his one point six five million dollar salary. Louisville AD Vince Tyra said his department will cut 15% from its sports budgets, furlough staff this week, and further economic moves resulting from COVID-19. More details expected today. They're going to be trimming $15 million. Uh, Regardless of whether they get the TV money from this football season or not, regardless of whether they're selling tickets to the games and concessions and merchandise inside the stadium and all that stuff, I think the schools already know donors are going to be cutting back. People are going to be giving less than they used to give. You know, whether it's people who own businesses who are taking a hit, people who uh, had investments in the stock market who are taking a hit, they know there's some kind of hit coming. That The question is, how big is it going to look like? So obviously some schools trying to get out in front of it here. So what you're saying is obviously Boise State has had their financial issues. I see what you did there. No, no, Yacht. You already made me read, it's dope. I can't get to the drops on this. Just as well. Uh, There are currently no plans to change the format of the four-team college football playoff or adjust the selection committee's protocol for choosing the top four teams. That's from Bill Hancock, college football playoff executive director. Talked to ESPN on Tuesday after two days of their virtual spring meetings. My bosses are happy with the CFP, Hancock said to the 10 Commerce Commissioners and Notre Dame AD Jack Swarbrick. But they're talking. They will continue to talk. Obviously, the logic here is increase it to eight teams, get more money, and offset some of these losses that athletic departments are going to be facing. The logistics in the short term, probably a little trickier to work out, especially since they don't even know when they'd be having the playoff. And we'll get to this with Kyle coming up, all the multiple start dates for the season that they're potentially juggling out there. Don't know when the playoff is going to hit. And then you're going to try to double the size of it at the same time and rework a bunch of contracts. I can see why they don't want to take it on, but I don't see how the discussion is going to stop because schools need more money. I say Selection Sunday, have a field of 64. (laughs) DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Bucks guard George Hill says his wife's 85-year-old grandmother recently battled COVID-19 and that, quote, by the grace of God, she beat it. Hill had been quarantined in San Antonio during the downtime, has not been staying with his wife's grandmother. Steve Kerr told ESPN's Rachel Nichols that he and other Bulls teammates did not resent Scottie Pippen for undergoing foot surgery just before training camp in 1998. That was part of the the last dance, the whole second. We saw two of the ten episodes on Sunday night, and the whole second one focused on Pippen and the contract issues. And Jordan had the interview conducted recently, looking back, saying that basically Pippen made a mistake there and that that was selfish. And Steve Kerr feeling comfortable speaking on behalf of the rest of the team says, eh, we got it. It was early in the year. It's 82 games. You think that just comes down to Jordan and his killer mentality, PK? Uh, I like the idea of Jordan's killer mentality, but debating whether the team resented or didn't resent something of Scottie Pippen did 22 years ago, I don't give a flying you-know-what. 
but uh, I like the idea of discussing the killer mentality that you need to have. And I'm glad that George Hill's uh, grandmother-in-law beat it. But John Prine, and there's been obviously tens of thousands of others who've died in our country from that. Does that mean that John Prine is a, was a musician, obviously? By the grace of God, he didn't beat it? Yeah, I don't have a good answer for you on that one. Stuff that's above my pay grade. <laughs> the, well, you're an elder in your church. Don't you know these things? <laughs> I got way more questions than I got answers. <laughs> uh, Mike Malone, the uh, Nuggets coach, uh, had a Zoom press conference with the local media, and he got into the last dance, and he has a unique perspective because uh, as an assistant coach, he worked with LeBron, and as a kid, his, this will shock you, but as a kid, his dad was a head coach and assistant coach in the NBA. Yak <laughs> sure, yeah. is mock passing out. And so he was around MJ. His dad was with the Raptors, and they gave the uh, 96 yeah. Bulls one of their 10 losses. And so he didn't have a problem saying that as awesome as LeBron is, what he's lacking is the killer mentality that MJ had and that really nobody was wired the way MJ was. Uh, that was really Malone's point. Uh, and if you want to go that athletically, you know, LeBron's a little bigger, and so that gives him more options. Great, but Jordan's killer mentality sets him apart. It goes back to what you and I were discussing yesterday. Certainly, the what would have been the 2011 finals when they lost to the Mavericks, up 2-0. You and I both yeah. think Jordan would have closed that out one way or another. That would have gotten done. And honestly, the, the Spurs in 14, I think Jordan would have pulled that off. I think if Jordan had been dealt the hand LeBron has been dealt as far as the teammates around him and all that, you know, to say that he would have been 5-4 and four in the NBA Finals, we can argue it forever because it didn't happen. But I think 5-4 and four is the right ballpark for where he would have been. None of those Cav teams were overmatched. Uh, the first year he was overmatched. The first year he was back, they had the injuries and didn't have two of their three best players. That's the kind of stuff. You know, Magic Johnson was 5-4 and four in the NBA Finals. You can be an all-time all-timer and be 5-4 and four in the Finals. So, but I, well, I think that's think what... Jordan would have lost in the Finals four times? you got to be kidding me. You're absolutely nuts. Uh, There's no way he would have lost four you think times he in the NBA Finals. He would have taken down the healthy uh, Durant... Uh, Steph Curry teams? You know, I don't think he would have. Those guys wouldn't have gotten injured. They would have come out and played. <laughs> well, Jordan would have made them play. They weren't playing uh, Cleveland on, the year they come were on. Oh, he would have made Irving come out and play, and he would have made Love come out and play with his shoulder popped out of the socket? No, I don't think he would have. You know, he would have got the best out of whoever the replacement was, though. There's no way he loses four. And you talk Magic Johnson. Yeah, because he was going up uh, once they got injured against mm -hmm. the Pistons. So that was one. So if we've got injury there. We've got to give injury over here. And he was also playing the Boston Celtics, which had a slew of Hall of Famers. And LeBron lost to Dirk Nowitzki? Get out of town. you got to be kidding me. It's dope. All right, what is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing, 801-295-1690. It's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Brian Keel is going to join us at 830, former BYU linebacker, former fourth-round pick in the 2008 NFL Draft. The draft coming up Thursday night. Talk with Brian Keel about that. 
Thor Nystrom, lead NFL draft analyst for Roto World NBC Sports on where the Utes are going, what he thinks is going to happen with Jordan Love. We'll get to all that coming up. Next, Kyle Whittingham, meeting with the media for about half an hour yesterday, did the Zoom press conference. We've got a lot more from Kyle on some of the players that will be drafted, how they progressed at Utah, what he thinks of uh, where they'll end up, and a lot more from Kyle on what he thinks might happen this season. Lays out some of the scenarios for how the season might play out and what that would mean for the Utes. Kyle Whittingham coming up next. Stay with us.